Hello everybody and welcome to The Love Spurts with me, Dr. Jordan and Shamaste Owen. Shamaste and thank you so much for that kind and beautiful and warm and righteous welcome, mm-hmm. my kind friend. Mm-hmm. This week is all about acceptance and if you look up the word acceptance in the book that explains words, it tells you that it's an act of consenting to something or someone, but it's so much more than that. Acceptance is a gift people give to you, and it's something that you give to people. The first time that I experienced acceptance was when my mother arrived home with a stranger to our family house. My father had been asleep on the chair, resting after a long day. He woke abruptly to the vision of my mother stumbling into the living room with the unusual man at her side. Who's that man? My father screamed from his couch, stinking of farts. Wouldn't you like to know, said my mother in her deep, venomous voice. The strange man stood silent. I pondered from my chair who the hell he was. I assessed him like a tiger would assess its prey before it murders it to bits. He had a thick black moustache that was matched in colour by his worn leather jacket that stank of cigarettes and indoor soccer. (laughs) If that jacket could talk, I thought... But jackets don't talk. People do. And that's what my parents were doing. Talking. Like people do. My father grabbed the man and they began to fumble around the floor, knocking over treasured belongings, like an old clock that we had in the family for decades. A beautiful plant that we'd received from the Amazon jungle from a lad that we met on the internet. And lastly, my grandmother's dead ashes, which we'd saved after we burnt her to bits when she passed away at the tender, beautiful age of 39. As the collateral damage continued, I screamed at the top of my nine-year-old lungs, Hey, this won't solve anything, guys. Even though I was only nine, I was the smartest person in the room that day. The two grown men let go of each other and stood up. Suddenly, I became a beacon of hope. What's the problem here, dickheads? I said with my chest proudly pushed out like a peacock's chest when they push it out. As the truth unfolded that my mother had been having a massive affair with this bastard, the cold heart bitter reality hit home for daddy. He began to cry. Tears of sadness fell from his eyes like tears from a waterfall. It was the first time I'd seen daddy cry that week. And in a way, it was a release for him. I told him there and then that he needs to accept that his wife was having an affair with this bastard and that his double standards because he had a woman in the house Two days previous to that, a very nice Polish girl called Magda, who I keep in touch with, and I've kissed her. He agreed with what I said, and things went back to normal, thanks to me. Poor old Mr. Tash, he died a few days later in a freak farming accident. The poor man had been out moving his livestock, and someone drove by and shot him clean in the head. God bless him. He's with Jesus now, and Mary and Joseph, and the the three three wise lads and I'm happy to believe through acceptance we're all the better for this situation except obviously the fellow that was killed again R.I.P. and and that just shows to you that acceptance is the way forward because we had to experience that harsh situation in the house on that cold winter's afternoon 
we all became better as persons and as people. Good luck. So we have some questions that the beautiful public have sent in to us. And the first one here that I can see in front of me is from a lad called James Bango. And it says, my father left our family when I was a child. Ever since then, I've struggled to accept it. I'm 49. Please talk. And how would you deal with that, Dr. Jordan? Well, first of all, thank you, Shamsteyan. I mean, I'm just going to be blunt here. You never accept it. Without actually knowing the situation, I can imagine that there was multifaceted reasons for your father to leave. But one of them was probably that you weren't a very good son. Probably didn't live up to his expectations on how his life should be. So you should never accept, because once you accept that he left, then you accept that you aren't a good son. Where you should constantly be working to be a good son. You can still be a son at the age of 49. My advice is work on yourself. Thank you so much for that answer. And I completely agree in what you said except for the point of not accepting where I believe that you should accept the acceptance of accepting and I will say that yes your father may have left you Mm -hmm. yes he may be over in I don't know Spain hanging out with girls half his age and 25 year old beautiful tanned ladies who seem to be very open to spending time with um men around the age of, I don't know, my father is 65 now, a great man, but we don't really see him much anymore. And I've accepted that he may never come back to Ireland, to where we are, to the country house in Mayo, where all of our dreams and all of our memories were made. And yet, sometimes I think, what is my father Kevin doing in Spain? Because he's not working. And yet he's he's getting money from somewhere. Mm. And I wonder... Does he have a cash cow out there? Does he work? Is he is he doing things on the black market? I'm trying to accept it, but I can't. But yes, I need to know, Daddy. Where are you? I, I will say that there is actually... Um, you know, um, you know, fuck him. Thank you, Shamaste Owen. Cheers. I have a quick exercise for you. Now, I want you to go to your nearest window. And I want you to look out of the window. And I want you to pick a bird. Any bird could be a seagull. Probably not a seagull because they're twats. But I do recommend you pick a lesser twatish bird. Sparrow, maybe. Or a blue tit. Or a crow. Or a crow. Um, And now I want you to pretend that you are that crow. And I want you to close your eyes and imagine yourself flying above the earth. Landing on the earth. Pulling out worms, picking up Mm. maybe a slice of pizza that someone has haphazardly dropped on the floor and Mm. I want you to imagine how a crow's life your life as a crow is so simple Mm -hmm. and I want you to do that for 48 minutes and then I want you to go to bed thank you and you're listening to The Love Spurts a guide to love, sex and happiness and Here we are at the question section, where we, as doctors and healers of the world, help you. And I have a question here from a Raquel Creep, and she is 26 years old, and she says, Dear Dr. Jordan and Shamaste Owen, I am selective about giving my number to guys, but when I met a charming, good-looking guy, I didn't hesitate. 
I'm 26 and he's 29. We met three weeks ago, but he stands me up each time we arrange a date. He complains that he's getting his kitchen fixed, and so it would be an issue if I would come to his. I don't doubt the attraction between us or that he is interested. He's talked about the future, saying us and we. He has a lot of females in his life, but insists he's single. And I've been through a lot with men, and I don't want to fall into a trap with someone I'm developing feelings for. I cannot face another cycle of heartbreak. Talk. Thank you very much, Raquel Creep, 26. Shamaste, Owen. I imagine that you have the ability to heal, Raquel. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say, um, hi, Raquel. How are you? Where are you from? I hear you're 26 and um, what a great age that is. I hope that everything's going well for you in your life. Your name is very beautiful. Is it a Portuguese name, Raquel? Where um, did you, where did you grow up? Um, I hope you're doing really well in life. I'm doing pretty good myself. I have a lot of savings. And just to let you know that life is hard and I certainly wouldn't have a problem with my kitchen. If um, stay on, if you could please um, just try and answer what Raquel's request it. No, of Help, course. Please. And he mentioned that he was getting his kitchen renovated. And what I will say to you is, Raquel, is who talks in the kitchen? Of course, most of the time you will have been talking in the living room where the television resides. Mm -hmm. I think that it's an excuse and you need to accept that this man is probably having sex with some old banger. Thank you, Shem Stater. And obviously we are two sides of a coin here. Huh? The physical and the metaphysical. And that's what our job here at, at the Love Spurts podcast is to bring you these two sides of the coin. But on this occasion, I really do have to agree with Shamstay. Owen, never accept what this man says to you. He's quite clearly a liar, quite clearly a charlatan. Now, there's one way to find out. I want you to go online. I want you to go to kitchens.ie or any other kitchen website. And I want you to learn everything there is about kitchen. The prices for a shelf, the prices, for a cupboard, the materials used, what kind of hub will you use? Will it be gas, for example? Gas is expensive. Will it be electric? Now, I want you to learn this, and I want you to text him on Tinder or WhatsApp, as uh, you young people do, and I want you to ask him a series of questions to do with kitchens <laughs> and see what his answers is. Now, if you say... Oh, you're going for an MDF there? What is it, a 14 thick centimeter, or do you want to kind of mix in with um, some infusion of uh, polyaphamine? And he says, Yeah, 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 that one. Say, No, you're lying. I know you're banging her. Who is she? Who is she? Who is she? And you keep saying, Who is she? And if he doesn't answer, you ring him. Okay? You never accept it. And quite clearly, once you get through and he can see that you are interested, I believe that he will dump this whore that he is seen with. And you'll probably have the best sex of your life. You're welcome. And can I ask you one other question? After that, Dr. Jordan, what's your position on condoms? Now, I would not use a condom. Obviously, I would expect the partner in the mm. act of love, as I like to say, to say, cool, yeah, just pull out mm -hmm. and uh, jip. Just be careful because I have washed yes. these bed, sheet bed sheets recently. And, Do uh, it on my ass. That's a different movie altogether. And also, that's a different podcast. I think you'll agree, Sham Stay Owen. For sure. And I will see you then at half eight tonight for that podcast.
And thank you very much, Dr. Jordan, for that beautiful bit of chat there. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave you with this because I've got to get a bus to town. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. Acceptance turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into belief, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, and a stranger into a friend. Mm. And do you know who said that? Steven Seagal. And thank you, Shamaste Owen, for your honesty and your openness. You are welcome. Now, along the lines of acceptance, as we all know, and as Shamaste Owen touched upon there, acceptance is on the basic level of human psyche. Recognizing something like a reality, a situation, or a feeling without trying to change it, to stop it, or to remove it. Now, doesn't that sound good, Shamaste Owen? Yes. You're wrong. And let me explain, using my academic prowess, why. And then, at the end, you can tell me if it still sounds good to you, Shamaste Owen. Now listen closely at this completely hypothetical, 100% made-up example. Imagine, if you will, you have a wife, and she's a beautiful female woman with the body of Marilyn Monroe and the mind of Albert Einstein and the determination of a Great Dane and the smell of a well-cooked goose on Xmas morning. She's a complete package, is what I'm trying to say. Imagine this angel, this fallen angel, is introduced to you by, I don't know, a beloved mentor, maybe, and you quickly build a life together, as well as a groundbreaking institute designed to shake the stuffy shirts of academia and force them to shit their stuffy pants with jealousy. This is all just normal, non-specific relationship stuff that we c- could be anyone. We can all relate to this, obviously. We can all agree that this is just broad stuff. Now, one day, you notice that on Sunday, she, she's gone to work, but she's not coming home at the same time as she, she's there longer. But you trust her because she works hard and you've built this groundbreaking institute together. Uh, and as the weeks go on, you know she's staying longer and longer. And you think, well, no... No, 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 she's, she's, uh, she's got the mind of Albert Einstein, remember, she's just working on, she's been the best she could be, she's working for both of us, our family. And it goes on and you think, it just doesn't feel right, the brain is telling your stomach, it just doesn't feel right, and you've got to listen to your stomach when it's talking to your brain. And you think, okay, well, I'll ask her, so you ask her, you say to your beautiful wife, you say, yeah, you're staying a bit longer than usual, what, what's going on there, you, is everything alright, what, she says, Oh, uh, oh, did, oh, did I not tell you? I've taken horse, I'm taking horse riding lessons. And you say, oh, oh, okay, fair enough. And you carry on about your business and she carries on about hers. And then you start thinking, oh, she's never mentioned horses before. That's weird. If anything, you'd think she probably, don't, she don't like horses. Because I remember once we were, we were having a conversation and she said she doesn't trust any animal that would let a man ride on its back. That's a weak animal. That's that's nothing to be revered. That's the shit. They're stupid. What animal would do that? A man wouldn't do that. A woman wouldn't do that. So how can you even trust an animal that does that? Plus they have big eyes as well. Big weird eyes that kind of look at in like into you. So you think, this is weird. I'll ask her. So you, ask, so you go up to her and you say, oh, just wondering where. So um, 
where is this horse riding thing? And the quick flash, she says, oh, it's, um, you know, it's just up up near the mountains there. You, you know, you'll see it's uh, Carl Johnson's horse riding school and pony academia. And you say, oh, okay, fair enough. And you know, something, your gut is telling you something doesn't feel right. So what you do, you go there one day and you bring a picture of your beautiful wife and you go to the man and you say, excuse me, um, sir, have you seen this woman? He goes, ah, Dan, I won't talk about my... Yeah, you seen this this woman here in this picture? She comes here every week on a Sunday. She says, mate, I'm here every day. Like, I know. I see. I've got one of those memories. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like a photographer in that sense. Like, I can remember everything. And you say, okay, well, she comes every Sunday. So maybe you're maybe you're just a bit. And he says, I don't get confused, mate. I've got. I told you, I've got a memory in her, like a photograph. You know what I mean? I, I know she ain't been here, mate. Against your better judgment, you put on her computer and her phone some software which she does not know about perfectly legal software you've checked into it and it records her whereabouts tells you where they are and they're usually used just in case you know she get the people get lost or something like that you want to know where they are so you just you're just worried about it. you want to know where they are she said this address so you go there and you see outside is a van parked in this got a plumbing company on the thing you think that's weird so what you do you follow this this van and it's probably a job or something and it, this bloke where where it's wearing overalls and you go in. He says, Excuse me, have you seen this woman? He says, I don't know what you talk about ma And you go, oh, well, I'm just asking if you if you say says, Listen man, I don't want to talk about my job or I've got to fix this toilet because it's filled with crap. I can't flush it, so I'm paid to fix the toilet. I don't even know about this woman, doctor, woman, whatever. He says, I didn't mention she was a doctor. He says, I don't even I'm a, a lot of men like I don't even love women. I don't love women, a lot of men. And you go, oh, oh, and you grab him by his lapels. And even though he's got oil and other, other lower class um, liquids upon him, you don't care. You grab him with animal rage. And you say, you're having an affair with my wife. And he says, I don't want to talk about Gavi. I've got to call police. I've got to fix to full crap in it. I've got to fix it, Gavi. And you go, and you leave, and you're very... Stress in your head is buzzing. Oh, you feel like a wolf, like a crazy wolf, like you're going to bite someone, and you're going to oh, the rage. And then a week passes by, and you get a call, and it's about your wife, and she's she's completely suspicion-free, naturally died. Now, does that sound good to you, Shamaste Owen? Does that sound like you should accept? something should i should have should should the person in this uh, example should they have just accepted and became what i like to be called a better boy a little better boy huh is that what they should do huh when they have every opportunity to become what i call the animal man let the animal man out huh is that what they should do be a better boy hmm and go against this deep unspoken male trait the animal man the thing that allowed us since the beginning of time to survive to become the top predator to surpass the animal become the animal man which has allowed us to become number one on the planet hmm? can i ask you a question sure if it's unspoken about then how do we know that it exists it's because inside every man if you look deep inside the immunoglada, which is the uh, small peanut-shaped part in the back region of the brain, 
there is a receptor there that only the male has. No one is quite sure what it's for. Around other males it does tingle. It vibrates on a frequency so minute that there is only one machine on earth that could pick it up. And that's what I like to call the mushroom part of the brain because much like a mushroom connected underground by the fungus, the male brain is connected through these vibrations of this mushroom mind of the man. And that's how we all have inside us the animal man. We all know. That's why the animal man is strong. But some people don't have the right frequency in their mushroom mind. And that's why they are better boys. They become better boys. Little weak better boys. Let people, women, people of anyone stamp all over them. Because they lack the ability to read and become the animal man. And you know what, if I was you, a nine-year-old boy, I would have said, Mother, you're being a whore. No disrespect to your mother. No, it's taken on board and I've often called her that. Yeah. I say, you're being a whore. Father, you're being a weak man. And I, I can guarantee at that point he would have looked to you and I said, Thank you, son. Mm. And Mr. Tash, did you say his name was? Mm. He would have got his Tash wiped off his face by a fucking animal man, your father. But you, what you're doing there is you're going down the, the highway path of physical altercations. I'm talking about a slow lane, what I call is the justice central. And you can talk to somebody in a very different way than going down the sort of aggressive path. And that's what I'm saying. But there's some um, instances in life, and many a study has shown, and it's been um, researched for quite literally thousands of years that there are some things that only your fists can say and it's a language which men mainly speak we have women of course who are fluent in the language but it is a second language to them mm-hmm. uh, women like uh, Lara Croft women like Scotty Weaver they're good at speaking it yeah. they speak it a bit weird they yeah. speak it a bit mm-hmm. worse than a man but, but they can speak it but when you die you lose the physical power of your body, but you move on to a spiritual connection with the world. The body is merely a shell. A shell that's passed away to the, what I call, the second realm. You keep your inner shell, which is your zone mind, and that continues for many, many, many years from now. I mean, I do understand, of course, what you are saying, Shamasteo, but let me explain to you Something which I learned in my many years of uh, academia. Continue. Um, so the year was 1974, and there was a, a young um, Yale student named Dr. Wink. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Wink was curious as to what drives a man. Mm-hmm. Okay, So we know what drives women. Mm-hmm. Shopping. Which, in the Zara. past, have defined women. For sure. And when I say shopping, what I mean is looking. Yes. I don't mean shopping is in buying. You mean buying window clothes, shopping. Just, yeah, just looking. So the window shopping of the world, mm-hmm. of course. Now, this man, Dr. Wink, he was so curious, in fact, that he devised a plan to research this and find out once and for all what drives a man. So what he would do, he got 50 men, men, mm-hmm. as you would say. He gave them each a donut, mm. a classic donut round. Were they police? Excuse me? Were they police? Were they police donut? Were they? They No, they weren't the police, no. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, unbeknownst to these subjects, 30 
five of the donuts were laced with methamphetamines. Oh my god. Otherwise known on the street as Speed, as um, Charlie Wiz, as How's About Town, Mr. Brown Down. Mm -hmm. He basically left, he put them in a room and he said, the last person out of this room gets one million dollars. Wow, chihuahua. It took four minutes before every single man in that room was dead. And I think that study itself, and merely by me expressing it to you now, and dear listeners at home, I think that proves a lot about acceptance. Mm -hmm. Don't you? I'm not quite sure what that proves, but I want to say to you that if those people had been in receivership of what I am selling right now called the acceptance glove, which is something that would they would have fitted into their hand, their beautiful hands, and you can work for both hands, a left hand or a right hand. We have bisexual gloves. We have asexual and gender fluid gloves that you can wear however you feel. And basically what you do is you try on the glove and it slips perfectly into your white or black hands. And even if you're Catholic or Muslim or anything you want to be, of course not ISIS, but everything else, you can wear this glove and you can feel acceptance and it feels like your mother's hand. And I miss that. Thank you, uh, Shem State Owen. And just for the benefit of the uh, listener at home, where can they purchase said glove? Well, in all good retail stores such as the Pound Zone, the Two Euro Shop, Mr. Deals? Mr. Deals. And I do um, recommend at least trying uh, the Acceptance Club. Uh, Shamasteo in there was you kind enough to allow me. I'm actually wearing one now, and I must say... How do you feel about your, your sort of spirituality in terms of acceptance and also growth? Oh, 100%. I accept that I will never accept acceptance. Yes. Which is a firm stance of mine for many years now, many years through school. So this glove is really reaffirming my acceptance towards so It's very reaffirming the glove and it's also um, been sort of, it also has been evolved over lots of years to, to give you the best sort of glove you, you can get. And it works on your three different factors. Spirituality of the mind, mm -hmm. control of the system, mm -hmm. and who you are as a person. For, for the price of fifty nine ninety nine. I think that's quite impressive. And also, you can wash it in the dishwasher. Is that jasmine I smell? Yes, indeed. Jasmine, vanilla. You can also get um, chocolate mint flavor. And of course, um, I have the red glove with the black stripe down the middle. Mm -hmm. Now, is there any other styles available for the fashionable acceptor? Well, what I've given you there is a glove that I have got after many years of experience. And you start off with a white glove and you work your way up to the blue glove brown glove you get a pink glove i know a lad with a blue glove um there's a green glove in sligo it's much like a snooker yes indeed as, as you will yes uh, where's the balls of gloves and your hand is the white yeah, ball yeah. and the cue is your arm uh, yes indeed and the chalk is the lad behind you and the referee is your father yes i like uh, snooker and it really is these principles of snooker which you have developed into yes. each aspect of the glove. Well, my father used to watch a lot of... Uh, who's that guy from the north that used to love the old snooker? Dave, or, Steve Davis. No, he's from um, England. Oh, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan. No. 
Higgins. Ah, Snooker Higgins himself. The big man with the glove. What a sport he played. What a king amongst men. Oh my God. That's a man who would never accept defeat. Never. And that's why, because if you look back to the olden days, he smoked cigarettes, he drank alcohol, but he also wore an acceptance glove. Mm -hmm. And that's where I learned to develop my own glove. And a different glove, of course, because his was um, one that he medically had to wear because he did scald his hand. He did scald his hand, yeah, and I I do um, like to make the distinction that my glove is purely spiritual. His glove was purely to stop people seeing the damn scare in his hand. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the puss from, uh, the puss. from affecting and warping the cue. Exactly. As he held it. And obviously we all know that puss that seeps into a pull cue will damage your drawback. Or if you want a schnooker, lad, sure. you can't be having puss no, in your hand, mate. No, 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 no. You get done. Well, I, I remember once, um, I think it was uh, 82 in the world famous final against him and uh, Trevor Trico yes. uh, in Cheltenham. And I believe that he was snookered and he reached for the spider, spider, Mm. which is like a, it's like a hand without a glove on a Mm -hmm. stick. And it was the puss as he went to force his stick into the white ball Mm. in order to knock it into the red ball, Mm -hmm. then get that into the hole of the table. His hand was so covered in puss that he actually ended up throwing the cue into the audience and Mm -hmm. impaling Princess Margaret. I guess that is the uh, risk you take when you go to a snooker, live snooker mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. And along the lines of acceptance, mm-hmm. if you are going to a snooker final, you have to accept, accept that there may be injury. There may be death. There may be death. And there will be death to everybody that's alive now. As my father often said, there is people dying now that never died before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was thick. And it just goes to show what acceptance can do to a thick man. Indeed you. Thank you. Indeedio. And I believe, Dr. Jordan, that you have one last request there that you want to talk about. I do want to give a call out to the general public and my dear listeners, our dear listeners of the show, pardon me, Sharma State Owen, that I am soon to be conducting a study. Now, I cannot go into the details of this study, but I am looking for 46 participants. And there is some criteria here, which I will list off. And if you do fit all this criteria, then please do email the show at the usual places. This position is well-paid accommodation food. Now, uh, I'm looking for all men, all males, between the ages of 18 and 23. They must be blonde, non-smokers, have throughout their lifetime minimal contact with ducks, and specifically the mallard. Other waterfowl, there is some leeway there, there's some room, but really, I, I cannot stress enough that no no contact with a mallard, specifically. Um, if there has been any contact with maybe an Egyptian goose or a coot, then just let me know when, where, how long ago, how long for. There may be a chance that you might be able to participate in this study. Also, I am looking for anybody who has their second toe is much larger than, longer, sorry, I should say, than their big toe. So if this is you, then get in touch. Let me state that again. So you must be between 18 and 23, male, blonde, uh, non-smoker, minimal contact with waterfowl, no contact with ducks, specifically the mallard, and have your second toe longer than your big toe. So if this sounds like you, then feel free to contact the show and I'll be more than happy 
to supply you with any information needed for this upcoming study. Thank you. And just before you go for the week, I want to share with you a very positive, uplifting exercise that you can do anywhere, whether you're in your home, you're at work, or you're on the train. It's very simple. It's all about the power of the smell. So what I want you to do is just take out your arm and go. Can you smell that? Try to take in the aroma of how those small little hairs on your arm, on your forearm, how they smell and how they look. Mmm, I smell tea. And now what I want you to do is go over to a random person and try to what I call build a new world and start smelling the back of their neck like this. It's not bad, is it? Mm, I'm enjoying that now. <clears throat> Are you after the bus? And please continue to do that for five minutes, once per day, and you will feel enriched. You're listening to The Love Spurts with Shamaste Owen and Dr. Jordan. Together, working towards a better world. Thank you.